Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What it do, Dolphins fans, and welcome in to the Friday, January the 31st edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we have more mailbag questions to get to. We'll preview Sunday's Super Bowl and the not-so-subtle charade by the Tungabailoa family and Tua's agent pushing the quarterback towards Miami. That all continues. All of that and more, but first, before any of it, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. Voted the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter by Dolphins Twitter. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. We'll follow you back and check out LockedOnDolphins.com. We have a recap of all the Tua Tungavailoa news and notes from Thursday up on the website. But for now, let's go ahead and jump right in and talk about it. That's another So Radio Row always makes for some interesting content. Last year, it was Kyler Murray's awkwardly silent interviews that had people stirring around the Super Bowl event in 2019. This year, it's another quarterback and one that has been linked to the Dolphins for quite some time now. Tua took his turn at the Super Bowl media festivities, and it started off by him entering the set for a show, some show that I'm not sure what it's called, but I know it's hosted by Doug Gottlieb, some first take or hot take or take your take, some show like that. And it started off with chants of Tua, Tua, as they introduced him onto the stage. The female co-host, again, not sure who these people are, mentioned that among all the great athletes they've had on the dais throughout this week there on Radio Row, only one player prompted a chant, and that was Tua, primarily by Dolphins fans. And the beat writers in South Florida picked up on all the action today. You saw stories written by the Palm Beach Post, the Sun Sentinel, and the Miami Herald with regards to Tua and all these interviews It has clearly been the topic of the day, of the week, and really, honestly, the season for your Miami Dolphins, but mostly on this Thursday. And in one of those stories by Safid Dean of the Sun Sentinel had perhaps the most interesting quote within it. Now, remember, Tua has been to Miami a few times in his life, three by the count of, I believe it was Andy Slater, who also dropped a bomb today with Tua to Miami, relativity involved. More on that in just one moment. And of course, one of those trips for Tua included his dismantling of the Oklahoma defense in last year's Orange Bowl at Hard Rock Stadium. But this was the first trip to Miami by the entire Tungavailoa family, his mother and father. Remember back in, I don't know what it was, October, when I said that Miami made a lot of sense for the Tungavailoa family, even when everybody was saying that he could spurn the Finns because the whole tanking narrative, again, which was media driven, I referred to the close proximity to Tuscaloosa, just a 90 minute flight to Fort Lauderdale from there, where Tua's younger brother is still enrolled at the school and plays football for the Crimson Tide. But also, which city had the most similar weather to Hawaii? Miami in January, you can't beat it. And the beautiful part, none of the Tungavailoas have an opportunity to experience Miami in the summer because the draft happens in April. So they're left with this Hawaii weather impression and they love it. 
Travis, get to the damn quote already. Okay, here's the quote from the Safed Dean piece from Tua's father, Galu, I think is how you say it. Get used to that name. You're going to hear it a lot over the coming months. Galu says about Miami, quote, we love it. Miami is a beautiful place. We like it. And I mean, hopefully in the future, it'll be nice too if things do work out, end quote. Man, talk about angling for Miami. But if that one was a little too cryptic for you, let's get this out-and-out proclamation by Tua's agent, Lee Steinberg, who later backpedaled off the statement trying to maintain their relationship with the Cincinnati Bengals. This came from an interview with an ESPN affiliate on 97.3, quote, you want to make sure your client ends up in a good organization. I'm hoping Cincinnati falls in love with Joe Burrow, end quote. Damn! I mean, that is harsh, but not undeserved. The Bengals are a flat-out joke in the way they operate, but still, that is harsh. Harsh burn, man. We're getting close to Eli and Archie levels here with regards to Miami and Tua Tungavailoa. And if even that isn't enough to convince you, how about this one from the aforementioned Andy Slater? Slater tweeted about a Thursday Radio Row interview with Tua and Fox Sports 640 producer at S Diner on Twitter told Galou, to his father again, that he hopes his son gets taken by Miami, and Galou's response? So do we. Boom, baby, there it is. You gotta love to see that. Maybe there's hope yet that Miami can get him at five without trading up, and even more so now that Steinberg has basically told the Bengals to pound sand if they're thinking about going away from Joe Burrow. But wait, there's even more from a story by the Miami Herald's Sarmando Alguero. Sources close to Tungavailoa say the Bama quarterback would love the Dolphins to trade up to number three and select him. Those same sources say they don't love the idea of Detroit actually using that third pick on Tua because of the arc of that team's current coaching situation. So the Tungavailoa family is kind of steering where he goes and that ship is geared right towards Miami. I mean, the writing is on the wall. Where there's smoke, there's fire. However you want to frame it, this seems pretty obvious. I feel like now, for the first time since we started discussing this back in the summer, there is actual pressure on the Dolphins to make this happen. The fan base is essentially all in. It's something of a unifying, galvanizing force, which if you've experienced this fan base on social media, you know that's a seemingly impossible task to accomplish, but the fans are for the most part aligned on this, aside from the Facebook crowd that made their determination based on the fact that he plays at Bama and Bama quarterbacks don't work out. I mean, LOL, who cares about that? So now that we've decided he's basically ours, how about the real important stuff? Well, Tua talked about his medical status with the hip injury, and while we receive pretty much nothing but great news with his progress, he says there's an MRI not this Monday, but the following Monday on February 10th. That's the three-month MRI where they can really learn about the degenerative nature of the hip. Yeah, that word, degenerative, is difficult for me. But about the nature of the hip, if he's in for complications down the road, or if he gets a clean bill of health, I'd be shocked if it's anything but the latter, because you don't openly discuss that if you're not pretty sure what the results are going to be and what you're going to learn. Tua then said he'll be at the Combine and his goal is to win the medical portion of the Combine, a weird comment, but to convince teams that he'll be back to his former All-American Heisman candidate self, his number one overall prospect self. What a fun Thursday it was. And just to keep a cumulative score of all the 
links between Tua and the Dolphins. First, we had Ross and Garfinkel and Greer on the sideline at Bama and Michigan for that bowl game. We had the Miami, Miami Instagram post where he was in Miami talking about how great it was there. The Dolphins colored shoes at the Polynesian Bowl. Lee Steinberg giving Ross the humanitarian award. His dad saying that he hopes the Dolphins take him. And now Steinberg again saying he wants to go to the right team and not the Cincinnati Bengals. Again, where there is smoke, there is definitely fire. All right, we've got more of your mailbag questions next and a semi-important football game on Sunday to talk about. We'll get to all that next, but first, pretty soon, weekends are going to belong to your wife again, and that means more time in the bedroom, so you better get yourself ready and in shape for bedroom season now that football is in the offseason, so it's time to increase your performance and get the extra confidence you need when it comes to the bedroom. BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy, and right now, we have a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping again. That's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code locked on to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Tua's. At least that's the plan, and that's how it sounds from here. We still have a couple of months until the draft will actually begin in earnest, and we find out if, in fact, the Alabama quarterback is the Dolphins' franchise quarterback of the future, something we have been looking for, searching for, and not found, basically, for the better part of two decades. Of course, the seven-year stint with Ryan Tannehill was as close as the Dolphins came, but he never really bared fruit here in Miami. We all know what he did in Tennessee. Hopefully, Tua is the end of all that. His skill set certainly would suggest that he is. The health, obviously the big concern there. But one thing I want to point out here before we get into your Twitter questions, changing gears here, is this chart that was put up on Twitter by Lee Sharp. He's at Lee Sharp NFL, and he took a chart of draft pick value and effective cap space, which basically talks about how much money the team has tied up in essential parts on their roster, as well as all the draft capital and available cap space they have. And it's pretty much hilarious because most of the teams are grouped in a similar core part of the chart. And he had to extend this thing out. Like it doesn't, it's not centered because the Dolphins are so far removed in the good way from everybody else that they are on the top right portion of the chart where they both have the most effective cap space and the most draft pick value by a long shot as 22 of these teams are gathered within basically one standard deviation of his the middle of his Y and X axis, the Dolphins are up over 90 million in cap space. We know that number will grow as the season, or the offseason gets here, I should say. And they also are up near 100 in draft pick value. I don't really know what that means, but I'm just relaying the information. The chart's on my timeline. It's hilarious to look at, and it tells you where Miami are in terms of positioning to be in a spot to go out and get this roster back to a level that can compete, not just for playoff hopes, 
not just for division titles, but hopefully one day soon, a Super Bowl championship. And one day, hopefully getting way far ahead of ourselves here, maybe a home game in Miami for the Super Bowl because Miami is getting tons of praise right now for the week it's been down there at Super Bowl. Great weather, great fan events, great food. Of course, all the attractive people, human beings down there, I should say, that are just really making Miami the mecca right now of the football world down in South Florida. But let's go ahead now and change gears and get into your Twitter questions. We did a bunch of them on yesterday's podcast. We continue that here on the Friday edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. First question here comes in from Sad Bunny. He's at AJ Gutierrez underscore 20 on Twitter. Who are some of your dark horses from the Senior Bowl that you see shooting up the draft boards come April? I think Bradley Anai, the Utah edge slash pass rusher slash defensive lineman, could really get himself into the second round with a good week of workouts at the Combine in Indianapolis. I think he already improved his value in Mobile at the Senior Bowl, and he's already so technically refined as a pass rusher that I think some teams are going to see that immediate impact availability in round two and say, we're going to get that guy. He's going to start day one for us and we're going to be thrilled about getting him here with a pick in the 50s or 60s. So Bradley and I, I think Kyle Duggar, the unknown safety prospect from Lenore Ryan, he has a chance to really rock it up draft boards. Van Jefferson for the route running he showed in Mobile, he could be a possible day two pick because of the fluidness of his game. And I'll go with the tight end from Dayton, Adam Troutman, who really had an impressive week in Mobile as well. And he's going to test through the roof when it gets to the, the scouting combine in Indianapolis. So I'll go with him as well. So Kyle Duggar, uh, Adam Troutman, Van Jefferson, and Bradley Anai. Next question here from Evan F at Mr. Underscore Game of Fame. Do you think the Giants were influenced by the Dolphins hiring Flores due to the fact they brought someone in? from the Patriots staff who has coached at different positions and is more about the discipline aspects of the game. Yeah, it's a copycat league, man. I think a lot of folks are going to look at what Brian Flores is and the shift of like the in vogue thing to do last year or the last previous couple of years was to go after the hot coordinator name, get the best play caller, the best offensive genius and put him into your building. And people believe that was Zach Taylor, which look how that's working out for the Bengals right now. I just don't think that's the best way to anticipate a coach becoming a good head coach. Like some guys are just cut out to be coordinators and to do the X's and O's stuff. And maybe they can lead a room full of offensive players at best, or maybe it's just a room of quarterbacks. But going from those positions to leading the entire football team, scheduling travel and the practice times and all the stuff that comes into being a leader of a football team, it's a different skill set and you can't really measure it that way. That's why I believe going after a guy like Flores, who does have the teaching background, but also has the acumen for the X's and O's, calling a good defense in New England, his real strong point was the fact that he's done every job in a football organization and he's done it well and that he was basically groomed by the gold standard in the NFL in the Patriots. So I would not be surprised at all if Dave Gettleman saw that and said, yeah, let's go ahead and get me some of that, a guy that's been around every single portion of an NFL organization. Next question here from James Shively, the fourth at Shively IV on Twitter. What's the best and worst case scenario for a trade-up cost for the Lions pick? Do you see any way of trading up without losing draft capital in this year's draft? No, I think the best case scenario is to have the Dolphins trade back from that first round draft pick at 26 back to the Lions second round draft pick at 35. They still coop a lot of draft value by going up those, what is that, nine spots 
for the Lions. So you could almost parlay that as saying that's essentially the equivalent of a second or third round draft pick, but I still believe you have to focus this thing on one or maybe two second round draft picks. So let's say a second round pick this year, a second round pick next year, and maybe a swap of those picks, or maybe it's one second round draft pick and a swap of those picks. That to me is the best case scenario. The worst case scenario for me is giving up one of the first rounders this year, either 18 or 26. I really want to hang on to that unless of course you get the swap down where you get picked. 35 in addition. So worst case, losing one of those first round picks. Best case, not losing one of those first round picks. Next question here from Aaron Stafford at Staff23. I think I know the answer, but when you rank your players for the draft, you do it based on Dolphins needs, right? Or your thoughts on best fit for them. Yeah, everything I do with regards to Locked On Dolphins is going to be with a Dolphins lens. Like I did the scouting combine previews last year and I showed you how the players in the Patriot system in the past, how they measure in terms of their 40 time, their short shuttle, their three cone, how long their arms are, how well they run, all that stuff that the Patriots use for their models, for their prototypes. I projected that for Miami and that's how I stack my board accordingly. For instance, I think that Xavier McKinney and Antoine Winfield and Ashton Davis will all be higher for Miami than Grant Delpit because Delpit, doesn't really like to come down and tackle. Like he'll get in the box and make plays, but he's not going to really initiate contact. He's more to shy away from that. And that's just not a Brian Flores defensive back. And he doesn't really have the versatility of the other guys. So that's why that, like I can see Delpit higher for me on other teams' boards, but that's why I really favor those three guys because it's Dolphins fits and Dolphins scheme specific players. So to answer your question, yes, it's always through a Dolphins lens. This next one here from Leighton Stauffer, at Stauffer underscore Leighton. I expect there to be a bidding war for Joe Tooney in free agency. How far are you willing to go to make sure he's a Dolphin next season? That's a great question because I don't think Miami are going to be interested in getting in a bidding war for the services of a left guard because they're going to look at the situation and say, we drafted Michael Dieter in the third round last year. We traded late draft picks for Evan Bame and Danny Isadora. And that's essentially how the Patriots uncovered their gems, whether it was Shaq Mason or even Joe Tooney himself, who was a mid-round draft pick. They weren't high investment resources or high resource investments they put into those players. You look back to the 2018 left tackle and Trent Brown, who wound up going to get paid from the Raiders. He was brought over for like a fifth round, fourth round draft pick swap with them in the 49ers. And then Trent Brown goes on to Oakland for a massive payday. And the Patriots wind up getting more than they paid for in a compensatory pick. So I think if you're looking at like top left guard in the entire National Football League money. I don't think Miami will pay that. Will Joe Tooney take a discount to come to Miami? Who knows? But I think that anything more than eight, nine, or $10 million, you probably tell Tooney to go pound sand. Next question here from Kyle Smith at Kyle Smith 1626. Do you see us doubling up on positions this offseason? Something like signing Byron Jones or Logan Ryan and then drafting a cornerback in the top three rounds? Absolutely, yes. I, th- I think you pretty much are pigeonholed into doing that because of how many resources you have. Like I know Miami is going to be somewhat conservative and they're not going to overstretch their budget with free agency just because they have the cash, but they are going to sign players and they are going to make at least 10 draft picks. They're not going to trade up enough to lose out on four or five of the picks that gets them back into single digits. So I think that just by virtue of how many resources they have, they pretty much have to do that. And you mentioned the secondary 
I think that's a great spot to do that at. Go after an Antoine Winfield or Ashton Davis. Then come back in free agency and get yourself an Anthony Harris or a Justin Simmons or maybe a Tavon Wilson. Like vehemently, yes, pound the table. Go out and fix certain aspects of this team. I'm always a big believer in if you have a strength, make that strength an even stronger strength so you can build the identity of your football team. Don't always go after needs. If you have to stack positions or or resources into a certain position, just do it. Take the best players. And if you do that enough over time, it'll all work out. All right, let's go ahead and make our last transition here to our final break on the week, our final break before the season comes to an end. The Super Bowl is Sunday. We'll preview that game next, get to a couple more of your questions. And speaking of the game on Sunday, if you enjoy football and you have a heartbeat, then you know what's coming. It's that time of year. Plan a party, get the snacks ready, and get your wagers locked in, locked on, because the Super Bowl is finally here. You've got a feeling about who's going to bring home the Lombardi Trophy, and you do not want to miss out on your last chance to get your bets in before the NFL season comes to an end. Whether you're choosing the straight-up winner of the game or making a side bet with a friend, MyBookie offers you the most up-to-date odds and a site that makes winning extra cash easy and fast. MyBookie features the most complete lineup of Super Bowl props of any sports book in the business. The amount of betting options is simply unrivaled, and you can even visit mybookie.ag party now to access a printable prop sheet for the big game. Trust me, you want to do that if you're trying to have some fun with your bros. Football not your jam? Don't sweat it, because they've got you covered with lines on every other major sport, including the NBA, NHL, and all the college action out there in the universe. Plus, if you deposit right now, they'll match your deposit halfway. That's basically free cash to throw down on your best bet as this is going to be the last chance to take advantage, so sign up now. Enter promo code Locked On when you make your deposit. That's promo code Locked On. One word to give your bankroll a jumpstart. My bookie, play, win, and get paid. Water so clear you can see to uh, the bottom. We're talking about Miami and the Tua Tungavailoa connection today. All the good stuff we heard on Radio Row. But that was the first segment. Let's get back now into your Twitter questions on the Twitter mailbag at Locked On Dolphins. This one from Steven Signet at Steven underscore Signet. Will the Dolphins focus more on offensive line in the draft or on defensive line? And do you think free agency will show which side of the ball Miami will aim for in the draft? I think there is a great opportunity in this draft for Miami to really rebuild its offense. And we know the receiver position is pretty well stacked. I mean, for my money, you want a basketball team type of receiving core, and you've got that with your two bigs and Parker and Williams. You've got your speed agility guys and Wilson and Grant. You've got your possession guys and Ford and Hearns. Pretty much one to six, you're solid in the receiving core. So then we have the tight end position, the quarterback of the future, which of course, hopefully is Tua. And then you have the offensive line and tailbacks that you can really remake. And the running back position is deep this year. The offensive line at tackle is super deep. And there's some good starting quality offensive linemen on the interior available in this year's class. So I think that what you say about free agency kind of tipping their hand, I could see them going more heavy on free agency on defense and then coming back in the draft and getting a Tua Tungavailoa, getting a Makai Becton, getting a J.K. Dobbins, and really transitioning this offense into one that just hasn't been that good for a long time into an area that might be a strong suit going forward with Brian Flores and Josh Boyer and their ability to coach up a defense that doesn't have that many names. So yes, I think that free agency will dictate it, and I think on the draft side... This draft is, in fact, a great opportunity to remake the offense pretty much from the ground up. 
This one here from B Dennis Dixon at Duke underscore Dennis on Twitter. Coach Flores was pretty impressive this season. However, is it possible to have a team with high chemistry if he keeps switching lineups, staff, etc.? It's a great question because you lose continuity. But the thing I talked about a couple weeks ago, I think it was, is that because of how much roster overturn you're going to have this year, you really weren't going to have continuity to begin with. So why not in these early portions of this rebuild, the early portions of the Flores regime, why not tinker until you find the formula that works best for you? That's my opinion anyway. And I'm going to have an article on Sunday night. I teased this on yesterday's podcast, but you guys know how much I love to lie to you about content coming out. I lied. The big article is going to come out on Sunday after the Super Bowl as we take a look at the three ways to really rebuild this team, the draft, free agency, and in-house development. And we're going to be talking a lot about that in-house development on the Sunday Night Podcast, and I'll give you a preview of that. That's how you develop this system that can overturn itself and consistently stay successful despite the fact that you're bringing in new names and new people all the time. That's the idea behind the in-house development, having a coaching staff and roster that continually, continuously remakes itself and develops both coaches and players alike. Okay, let's go ahead and cut it off right there and transition into the Super Bowl preview. Chiefs and 49ers Super Bowl 54 from Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. Patrick Mahomes, Jimmy Garoppolo, Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan. Lots of great storylines to unpack here. And I want to start with Patrick Mahomes, who we talked about this or I tweeted about it after they won that AFC Championship game and going away fashion over Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans that you can probably set an over-under at Super Bowl appearances or Super Bowl wins for Patrick Mahomes at three and a half because he is just so uniquely skilled and such a diverse skill set, both with his mind, his arm, his feet. He can beat you in a multitude of ways. You really can't play man coverage on him. You really can't play zone coverage. He's just going to beat you time and time again if given enough opportunities. And it, it does set up a lot like Dan Marino back in the 80s where you have this generational quarterback who is just so far ahead of his time that you're going to be in contention for championships until that player leaves or until that player declines. And I think this is where it starts for Patrick Mahomes because I just don't know how you defend that guy right now. I mean, 50 points in the divisional round. What did he have? 30-something in the in the championship round. I know a lot of folks are going to say it's way too early to say this or to calm down, but I think that when all is said and done, we're going to look back at Patrick Mahomes' career as probably the best of all time. He has the skill set and the arm talent as well as the processor to make that happen, and I believe that starts on Sunday. One of the cool aspects of this game, especially for a Washington State alum and a Washington State Cougar football fan, go Cougs, is that there are two air raid quarterbacks in this game, whereas before people said, if you play in the air raid, you can't play in the big game. Well, now three of the last four quarterbacks to start a Super Bowl, going back to Jared Goff last year, came from the air raid system in college. So a bit of a changing of the guard in the NFL, more spread out, wider spread offenses. You need more speed on both sides of the ball. And that is pretty well evident by the fact that both of these teams ranked one and two in terms of time speed or clock speed this year with the NFL's advancement in technology and player chips and their shoulder pads and tracking the speed. The two fastest teams in the league were the Chiefs and the Niners. Now, I believe the Chiefs have more blue chip players than what the Niners have. You're talking about Chris Jones and Tyron Matthew and uh, Frank Clark on the defensive side of the ball. You go over to the offense and it's just every position overwhelmed with blue chip talent like Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, even though he's a scumbag. 
Patrick Mahomes, obviously the blue chip quarterback. And that's where the biggest discrepancy comes is the fact that he is a blue chip quarterback. And on the other side of the ball, Jimmy Garoppolo to me is a red chip player, a player that basically is not the elite tier, probably in that second or third tier of quarterbacks in the NFL. So the Chiefs have the big advantage there. They have the blue chip advantage, but where the Niners have the biggest advantage is the fact that they have a dominant tight end and fullback, which makes them so difficult to defend because you build your roster, you build your defense to defend the modern NFL game, which is spread it out, throw the ball all over the yard. So when you come in with George Kittle, who can block out the sun, and Kyle Juszczyk, who is dominant as a lead blocker, it's tough to defend, man. So that's going to be an interesting battle, a good style fight there. We see the Niners on offense win by scheme and win by so much window dressing and pre-snap motion and getting themselves into quality looks based on that pre-snap motion, influencing the movement pre-snap of the linebackers and then throwing right in behind them in the slant, the dig, the drag game. And the Dolphins back in training camp they were the same way using motion all the damn time, every play. We saw it a lot in the season. Motion is the best way to give yourself indicators pre-snap and nobody's better at finding out pre-snap what the defense wants to do than Kyle Shanahan. And I think this game will be a close one. As for my pick, I am 6-4 and four so far in the playoffs. Not very good. Went 2-2 two and two both in the wild card and divisional rounds and then 2-0 and oh in the championship round. I think the Niners are a better team from top to bottom, even though the Chiefs, to my opinion, have more blue chips. But I think this game is going to be decided late on a game-winning drive or a game-winning field goal late in the game. And I'm going to go with Patrick Mahomes with the ball in his hands over Jimmy Garoppolo. I think, again, we're essentially in Dan Marino territory here already with Pat Mahomes. And unlike our guy, Mahomes does capture the elusive ring. I'm going Chiefs 31 Niners 28. That's the end of the football season. Man, what are we going to do for the next seven months? Luckily, we have the draft and free agency to hold us over. And then, of course, we'll have OTAs and training camp reports for you guys all season long here on the podcast. I lied about that article, but I'm going to go ahead and put it out on Sunday. I want to get more involved in the film to get it really nice and ready for presentation for publication on Sunday after the Super Bowl. We'll also have a podcast come out right after the Super Bowl drops. And in the spirit of the big game, I'm also going to talk about my experience of the biggest games the Dolphins have played this century. All of that on the Sunday recap podcast. But as for today's show... That is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. And keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great weekend. Enjoy your Super Bowl. Enjoy your weekend. We're back on a Sunday for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.